Good morning, everyone. Today we welcome Paul Zara, the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association to Small Biz Matters. It's their 120-year anniversary, so we're going to talk about how they represent their 50,000 retail shop fronts throughout Australia. What makes a successful association last? As a national body, how do you balance the policy work across so many different government agencies? And importantly, what do you think will be the focus of small business policy in the next 12 months? Paul Zara is a leading figure of Australian retail, having worked in the industry for over 40 years, including senior executive and non-executive roles as a company advisor. He's previously held senior leadership positions at Target, Officeworks and David Jones, where he was the CEO and managing director. But I can personally tell you he is extremely passionate about small business. He leads the team at the ARA, Australia's oldest, largest and most diverse retail body, representing a $4 billion sector that employs one in 10 Australians. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, a show where we are dedicated to empowering small businesses and advisors to engage with policy and advocacy. Why? Because what government does very much matters to all small biz, good and bad. Sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office, each week we sit down with experts, advocates, business leaders, policymakers and politicians to dive into specific areas of government policy that affects your clients and your business. We'll give you the heads up on what's coming down the policy pipeline. Find out who's fighting in your corner and empower you with ways you can influence those decisions which affect your business every single day. We proudly broadcast live on our local community radio station, Triple H 100.1 FM, the Community Broadcasting Network, and later wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's hear from this week's expert on Small Biz Matters. People, policy, purpose. That's right. Good morning, everybody. We are live in the studio and I'm very excited to be welcoming Paul Zara, a good friend of mine and a good friend of small business. Paul, we've had a delightful time working together in the last couple of years and I know that retail runs through your blood and it certainly does run through small business blood as well. It's, I'd say that retail is the backbone of the Australian small business economy as well, just with the way that they tie communities together. But firstly, I wanted to say thank you and congratulations on your 120-year anniversary. That's not your anniversary, of course. That's the Retailers Association. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks, Ali. Thank it's you very much. So pleased to be here. So excited to be here. And of course, some days, like yesterday, I do feel like I turned 120. Um, uh, it's the roller coaster ride of working in advocacy. But um, yeah, the ARA has proudly achieved that um, that milestone this year. So what is it that makes an association like the ARA successful? Um, it's obviously a bit of a balancing act. What do you think is that secret source to really make the ARA last for 120 years? Well, look, I think it's a really good question to start with. And just looking at the history of the ARA, we started off actually as the New South Wales Hardware Association, first and foremost. It's sort of um, it has a very interesting and probably a little checkered history because it sort of slowly um, grew across the country and all the all the sort of state-based associations came together to form the Australian Retailers Association, except for Queensland. Um, they, they're an outlier, but um, we are, you know, certainly um, look after the, the, the with a large largest private employers in the retail industry and 95% of our 
membership, uh, there's 8,000 members. They're, they're small business operators. So it's really true to the core of what we do. So now your question is really around um, how do we remain successful? I, I think it comes back to a, a couple of things. If I look over the history of the ARA, it's been really important to remain true to your purpose of advocating for the sector. I think that's really so important and deeply understanding the interests and concerns of your diverse members. So we do go from hairdressing to hardware, from food to florists and everyone in between. So it's a very diverse community. And I love that because when we talk to government, it's important that we've got, you know, we've got a finger on the pulse and we can talk to across all of our industry. Uh, and we have entered a, a permanent state of disruption. So adaptability is also crucial to being successful because, you know, it's it, it means deeply listening and being prepared to find new solutions if old ones aren't working. And I think most importantly, being able to deeply listen to government, finding solutions. What I've learned through advocacy, you've got going to government with your problems is not really helpful. You've got to create win-win outcomes for, for your members and also for um, other stakeholders such as government. So, look, it's a very complex um, area because there's so many different laws and jurisdictions and we consistently advocate for, for national alignment because, we you know, although we are, I'm based in New South Wales, um, we are, are a national organisation, we, we try to reduce complexity for members by creating plain English explanations. So, that's that's first and foremost. And, you know, I think, um, you know, when, and you've had this experience yourself, Alex, when you deal with government, you know, you've got to be able to um, look at ways to come up with creative solutions. And I think for small business, they're really open to understanding the, the plight of the small business owner. And that's what I'm curious about because you mentioned solutions quite a number of times in that in that opener. Um, I think that the government is looking for solutions. And as you mentioned, a good advocacy organisation is a partner in those solutions and trying to help them find that. Do you think one of the roles is to translate what small businesses are going through um, to government? I mean, let's face it, they try and say that they understand small business, but I, I would suggest that many of them don't. They don't have that experience, right? No, they don't. And that's the reason why organisations um, uh, that, that represent small business become so important. And and even just bringing, amplifying, giving small business a spotlight, the work that you do, Alexi, in your role, being out there talking about the, the plight of small business. And most, um, you know, most government, most bureaucrats don't realise that most uh, small business owners, you know, they're living from week to week. They've got their, you know, often their own homes um, at risk if their business doesn't do well. So they've got um, a lot of uh, vested interests. And often a small business owner earns less than the people that they're employing. So that's, you know, that's concerning. And we know going into this all important Christmas trading period for for um, uh, small business retailers, if they, they make up to two thirds of their profit during the Christmas, all important Christmas trading period, wow. it's so important. So if they fail at Christmas, um, they may not be open in February. So they've got to really make sure that they they do their absolute darndest to get this particular time of the year right because um, it, you know, and it's tough going because it's a changing consumer. We, you know, we've got this cost of doing business crisis as well as a cost of living crisis. And you know, the cost of doing business crisis is a good example because I coined that phrase to try and explain to government that whilst we keep talking about cost of living, in fact, for a small business owner, they're equally in crisis. They've got a dual impact. It's a double-edged sword. And they're dealing with costs across the board where it comes to wages or rent and utilities and insurances. So you know, you know, I, I, my, my fear actually is, is that if you're a young person at university contemplating a small business in Australia, actually, would you 
go ahead with it because I'm not sure we're going to breed that next generation. There's so much complexity and so much um, uh, risk associated with it. Do you know, it's so interesting you should say that. I was at the um, the Spark Festival opening night last night. It was the launch of the Spark Festival, the Startup Muster, which is this huge survey they do of the startup community all around Australia. And what they noticed is one of those real highlights was the, the number of people between um, 25 up to 35 had significantly dropped off for those who were willing to start wow. uh, start startups. Um, in particular in, in the tech sector. And that's really concerning. As you said, why well, why would you? I mean, it's, it's yes, you've got your passion and you've got your why and your drive um, and you've got your desire to help your community and to help your family. Uh, we don't want people starting small businesses out of necessity or because they, they feel like they're stuck with it or they have to or they've been forced into a situation that they don't want to. We want to see that flourish. We want to see that innovation really come to the fore. So how do we, how do we find that balance? You've been in policy and advocacy for so many years. How do we encourage the government to turn on the right levers to make small businesses flourish for young people? And look, that's a really, really good question. I'm not sure I've got all the answers, but I do know that, you know, um, how important small business is from an innovation point of view, the entrepreneurialism, like all of the, you know, often big business swallow up small business because they want the idea that they've actually originated. In fact, the, most of the the, the, the the innovation doesn't come from big business. It comes from small business because they're, they're freer. They're, they've got, they're not uh, d- dealing with legacy processes or people uh, and they can, they're really free to actually innovate and uh, be entrepreneurs. And we really, it's the backbone of the, the country. So if we can't solve for that, it's, uh, really important. Now, what government can be doing and should be doing more of is actually giving small business owners better tax write-offs, you know, or, or incentives to start up small business um, and innovate. Because if we can do that in this country, we've got to somehow shift out, go from being a mining country to a innovation a country based on innovation. And you know, we're such a young com- country. We should be. We shouldn't have the level of conservatism that we have in this country. And we should be able to come up with these ideas. But there's there's just such a there's there's so much at risk for small business owners until the government can sort of acknowledge that and actually remove some of those hurdles and most of it's really it, it comes back to funding incentives uh, whether that being tax or, or or ways of actually um offsetting the, the risk for a small business owner we won't see we won't see small business um uh, thriving so it's a really piece big piece of our advocate advocacy so when we talk to government we're talking about cost of doing business because that's the big issue right now we talk about employment relations because you know some of the um, industrial relations reforms that are coming our way they uh, you know, it's the biggest set of workplace relation reforms in decades. Um, uh, so we need a deeper industry collaboration in these reforms, and particularly for small business owners. Like you can't, you know, I think the, um, you know, the, the 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 general retail industry award, which we all follow in the industry, it's over a hundred pages. There's like I don't know so many pay rates in there. It's so easy to get it wrong, and you need to have a law degree to be able to decipher it. That's not conducive to small business owners. And that's why most small business owners will actually employ people as casuals because, in fact, that's the only thing they get. They know it's a one-up cost. They're paying more, but they don't have any of that um, complexity. You know, we've also got to prepare small businesses to deal with... um, the next big disruptor was sustainability, and that needs government support when it comes to packaging and understanding the rules around, um, you know, plastics, uh, etc., uh, and just generally around innovation. Because innovation, you know, the biggest uh, um, change we're about to go through is artificial intelligence. So, you know, how does a small business operator keep up to date? 
with AI. Like it's you know, it's a, it's mind blowing what AI can do, and it has the ability to you know it's a, it could be a silver bullet for the industry because it has the ability to reduce cost and increase service. But how does a small business owner invest in something like artificial intelligence? So we do need government to step in and think of better ways to incentivise small business owners to to take that risk. And that's one of the the wonderful things that associations like the Australian Retailers Association do. You support your small businesses and your members more broadly with some educative campaigns and uh, awareness campaigns about what's happening in, in, in the environment, for instance, and in sustainability. I know you've got a wonderful net zero campaign going on at the moment with some free webinars available to small businesses who want to understand how they can reach net zero in the retail space, which is just, it's phenomenal. You're really ahead of the game there. And I know that, Paul, it's been one of your focus areas in the last few years is is to encourage the industry to move towards that space. Um, And you also mentioned um, the importance of uh, industrial relations and and working in that space as well and trying to explain to government what's happening there. What are some other space, other policy areas that are really occupying your time? Well, look, they're, they're all really good points that you, you, you've you um, summarised there. And I think partly, you know, this is not a, um, a plug for the Australian Retail Association, but I do think for any small business owner listening today, the best thing they can do to be uh, across all the regulation, across all of the complexity is to join an association. And, um, you know, most associations like the ARA, we we offer, you know, we, we offer really significantly discounted rates for small business owners just to be able to support them. So really important, if, even if you're not a retailer and you're a small business owner, there'd be an association out there that you can join that will support you in actually, um, you know, because you don't have an HR function, you don't have an IT department. You know, these things can be um, uh, of help by being part of an association, getting information at at hand. One of the other areas that we're really focusing on right now is we've seen such an escalation in retail crime. Um, uh, And that's an area that we're bringing attention and working with police uh, and, you know, state-based legislation. Um, And we're seeing that. We thought through COVID, Alexia, that in fact the, the level of customer aggression that was occurring was it was unacceptable but understandable and we thought that aggression would go but in fact that customer aggression has actually translated outside of COVID uh, and retail crime is you know abusing a uh, verbal abuse or a physical assault of courses against the law uh, but we're finding that um, you know uh, shoplifting organised crime. If you're a shopkeeper right now, small business owners, they can't, you know, necessarily don't have the capital to invest in technology to get CCTV and all the other um, bells and whistles to protect their inventory, but also to protect the, their staff. So we're finding retail crime has become of greatest concern and we've been working very hard with state-based um, organisations, so, so state-based governments, my apologies, to actually bring in line the legislation to um, of uh, assault against or verbal abuse against a frontline worker in line with other frontline workers like the police, ambulance workers, etc. Now that was we've been successful in South Australia and in New South Wales, so we're sort of working across the country to get this this done because we're, we're having a national framework becomes important. But retail crime is is a big um, big issue uh, that we're working through. Um, we've also, you know, working very much around um, the survival of small business right now because we we're thinking that, um, you know, that, that the, the next quarter particularly is, is, is the most important quarter. But you know, we're pushing for energy rebates and leasing reform and other forms of government incentives and support that, um, you know, that that small business owners need to be able to operate. So we, we do find that, you know, and I'm sure most of your audience, this will resonate, but you, you, they're too busy working on the business to be aware of what's around the corner. And we try to help them with the 
with that, make things as simple to navigate as possible. So augmenting their resources with services such as HR and legal, make them, making them aware of grants is becomes a really important part of the work that we do. Fantastic ways that you're communicating with your uh, your members. And as you mentioned, um, every small business out there probably has an association that represents them. It's relatively inexpensive for small business, but sometimes just connecting with them, being part of the community online that they might be uh, learning from your peers, going to free networking events and just signing up to their newsletter is a great way to start. And ask them, if I pay you money, what am I going to get in return? And I think you'll be all pleasantly surprised. We're going to take a break here on Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. When we return with Paul Zara, I'm going to ask him about um, how in, how does it work when you advocate with government? What is the process? Um, where is the ARA representing retailers and more broadly, small business? We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. As Spiffio assists, advocates and provides information to Australia's 2.5 million small and family businesses when and where they need it. Aspifio delivers practical and actionable advice and research to governments on how to improve policies and legislation. Since its inception, Aspifio has responded to over 40,000 requests for assistance from Australian small and family businesses and provides access to dispute resolution services, including assistance with disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticulture and oil codes. Aspifio also connects small and family business with mental health support should the need arise. As an independent advocate for small business owners, Aspifio is committed to ensuring that Australia is the best place to start, grow or transform a business now and well into the future. See how Aspifio can support you at asbfeo.gov.au. We're speaking with Paul Zara today, who is the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association uh, here on Triple H 100.1 FM. It's been a wonderful conversation talking about the importance of not only the IRA, but what advocates do in the space. And I'm keen to hear and understand from you, Paul, how do you advocate to government? What do you do? Do you sit in rooms? Do you try and explain to bureaucrats what's going on? What is the process and, and why is it so crucial to get at the beginning, the co-design, rather than the afterthought uh, for, for policy? Well, look, I'll try and break. That's a really good question, Lexi. Try and break it down a bit um, to, to explain the complexity because it is uh, complex. And I think I just wanted to mention, I mean, I've been so passionate about small business because although I'm known for my time um, running a department store, uh, my family is a small business owner and my dad's a panel beater, was a panel beater spray painter. And I remember help, helping him um, in the office um, uh, dealing with all back then when we were writing checks um, and he used to get me to send the checks. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Checks to the to another state. Um, we would, I was I'm from Victoria originally. Just so then, the, from a cash flow point of view, by the time it went around Australia uh, of these national companies, that he would actually have enough money in the bank to to pay for. So that's that's the, I guess you know when you sum up um, small business owners, they're watching every cent, and cash flow becomes such an important part. And that's why we look to, when we look to government advocacy every dollar that we can save um, in uh, and, and, and reducing complexity and regulation becomes really, really important. Now, government, it's, it, they're a complex beast. We deal at federal, state and local level. Um, we have um, set ourselves up at the ARA with uh, advisory committees, depending on what the topic is, whether it's leasing or tax um, or um, 
uh, anything within the uh, across the board that actually impacts um, the small business uh, owners and and all retailers, uh, and we tend to use that for consultation to get make sure that we get um, uh, you know we, when we we're looking at particularly doing a submission on employment relations. A good example: we go to our employment relations advisory committee and we make sure we get um, as much information from our members as possible. Using case studies becomes important, so understanding being able to provide a case study to government so they can you can bring the issue to life for them so we um, always go out to our members and say could you give us an example of this could you just write this in you know in 100 words or 150 words or less so we can actually explain that to government and we try as i mentioned we try to explain uh, when we go to government and that can be a series of meetings it can be letters Sometimes if we don't get our outcome, we go via the public forum, and that's to the media to bring um, an issue t- to light. So it, it, it's across all of those levels, um, often behind closed doors, often on a, in a roundtable, sometimes in virtual meetings, sometimes in Canberra. Um, but if we don't get the outcome, we don't leave it there. If it's if it's of public interest, then we take it to the media. So, you know, it's always important that... Um, you know, that we, we, we're across all of the issues. And that's why it's so important for small business owners to be part of an association because that way they get a voice to government. Yeah, and you can, you're almost a canary in the coal mine as well because you're seeing innately and I think instinctively you know as an advocate what's coming down the pipeline. You can sense where the government is heading with something. Say, for example, uh, they've clearly got an agenda around digitisation. Well, if you correlate that with the small business issue, that becomes an issue around cyber security and then we start uh, propagating that. And who do you um, interact with at a government level? Well, for me, um, it's only until the ministers get involved that they pique my interest. But of course, I've got a team of people that um, there's a village that makes me look good, Alexi. I can assure you, I don't do it all on my own. Um, but the, um, the the policy team actually work with chief, often with the chief of staff, actually of a department, to be honest, because they can be across the issues. They're not public facing generally, but they um, uh, take um, uh, they will take meetings, rec- uh, record information, and then brief the relevant minister uh, on the issues at hand. Uh, and look, in most cases, mostly the meetings are very productive, very constructive, um, and uh, you know they uh, they are very useful in making sure you get the message across. But not not always everything goes our way, and that's why sometimes we, you can use the media to get the um, get an issue um, uh, uh, addressed, or at least in the open arena to apply some pressure uh, on government. But you know, generally we've got a good working relationship um, with with government at all, at all levels. And I think that's part of the problem is that we only hear about the negative through the media. What people don't realise is all the things that happen in the background, the constant advocacy, the constant discussions. And I guess that is encouraging to people who might not understand the process because they can be made aware of the fact that you're actually speaking to government before they're making the laws, not sort of fixing the unintended consequences. Is that the best practice in your opinion? Yeah, look, I think so, because the, if you've got those relationships and we've worked hard to build those relationships, that's really important that you that you become a trusted advisor to government. You don't want to be... So you've got to use that, um, respect the relationship and uh, and respect the conversations that you're having so they're not uh, misused. So that's what's really clear for me. Uh, but COVID was a really good example, Alexi, because if I can use this one example, there was one 
um, state government who'd called me and they, during the lockdowns and said, we're closing all of retail down. I said, what, all? And I said, yep, in, including online. I said, but why? Because there's no physical, there's no, um, there's actually no um, uh, physical contact. And they said, well, we, we, you know, we, we've got to shut, shut the whole state down. You probably get a sense of which state this was. And I said, well, you know, all you're going to do is shift all of that business offshore because people will still shop online in another country. They just won't shop here in Australia. So you're not going to stop the traffic at all. In fact, you're going to uh, shift all that those re- that revenue from a small business owner uh, to a, um, an inter- international owner. The minute I could explain the detail of that, they because we're now dealing, you know, re- retail is a global business now. It's no longer just local. It's global. You can shop anywhere online, anytime, anywhere. Um, and then once they understood that, they said, well, okay, that makes sense to us. We were able to consult. We we the, the shop shut the physical stores, but everyone pivoted quickly to an online business to where they could. Obviously, you couldn't do that in hairdressing uh, or in, in 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 necessarily in some other business, but most businesses were able to do that, and they were able to keep you know keep the lights on, keep an income through, and actually survive what was a really really difficult time. So there's a lot of stuff that happens. Don't get doesn't get to the media, doesn't go through consultation. But as an advisor, we can actually advise government on the um, what's the best thing to do. I love that. So you're an advisor, you're an advocate. Um, Sometimes you're confrontational with government when it needs to be. But I think that is really reassuring to our listeners to hear that. And a lot of times it's happening behind closed doors. But how can small businesses be part of that conversation? You mentioned case studies, and I always encourage our listeners to say, if you're having a difficulty with a piece of policy or regulation and it's really driving you crazy, just quickly jot it down. Just jot it down, a few bullet points, what happened, where was the pain points, where did you try and get help and you failed at getting help, and then send it to your association. That stuff is gold dust to to the advocates, it is. isn't it? Oh, it is. Mm, definitely is. I think that's the whole thing is that we, um, you know, we, we often get really frustrated and rightly so, but it's so important that you escalate those issues because often, you know, it, uh, it's it, the the industry may not be aware of it. And it's those case studies that make all the difference. If we're able to say a shop owner on this street, you know, we don't have to even give the, the company name. This is what they're experiencing due to this regulation. Uh, and then we're able to go out and get, get some, uh, do some further survey work. That's so powerful. And we've had so many things change, particularly for small business owners, just from that very simple process. Yeah, I can recall um, talking about a story about a naturopath who was using bank feeds and uh, using a different type of software that many politicians weren't even aware aware of and it gave them an idea about how that flow of data was so critical for small business and 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 we were able to make some major changes with treasury and the consumer data rights laws it does make a difference and those those independent stories are really important but what's also important is uh, a great leader like you being absolutely connected with their small business community and equally the small business community constantly in conversation with their associations i don't think they realize how powerful they can be and the small business owner, whilst it can be very, um, it can be very isolating. You should know that your association has your back, uh, and if you want to be more involved, there's there's opportunities there. How do your small businesses, apart from communicating with you, how do they get more involved? Do you have committees, etc., that they can be part of? Well, we do. So we, we've got. Um, look, the best thing is actually to get the first thing you should do: get onto the website, the relevant association, and just become a subscriber. So there's lots of free information, lots of free resources. Um, you know, it, you know, and and then if you're impressed by that, 
join your association because I can tell you whatever you pay in fees, you'll get back in cost savings uh, and in, in in actually taking away the stress of actually being having to be across everything because you've got you've got access to information that you wouldn't normally have. So I really strongly advocate for joining your, your association for your industry. And um, we, as I said, we start. You know, we, we've got. A, We've particularly taken um, a view around small business to provide them with really cost-effective um, membership. So just hop on the website and get a quote um, from your your industry association and join because that's that's the best way to relieve stress find cost savings, but equally be across everything that's happening in your industry. Look, that's a great way for us to, to finish off today. Some fantastic advice, Paul. You've really given us some insights into how associations work and how they interact with government and really make serious change to small business that will affect them in their everyday lives. How can people find out more about the ARA? You can get on our website, www.retail.org.au um, and please subscribe. At least that's, that's the minimum you should do. So um, we've got lots of information there. Thanks so much, Paul. Um, everyone will be back after these short announcements to find out who's on the show next week. Thanks once again, Paul, for joining us on Small Biz Matters, People, Purpose, Policy. My pleasure. If you've just missed it, we were talking to Paul Zara, who is the uh, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association, a passionate advocate for small business. Um, I thought it would be a value to explain who we've got on the program next week. It's a very interesting uh, show because we were live at the ZeroCon conference earlier this year, and I was speaking directly to uh, members of Zero who are specialists in AI in particular. They also have a... Um, insights team who provide a report quarterly from all of the zero data and there is a lot of that with all the small businesses that they have on their books that they provide to government and the influence that that has on policy is quite um, impactful as well and it's really strong data that they have on a quarterly basis that they provide into the media so that's something that you might be interested in looking at as well. I had a number of discussions with some of the app providers into the fintech space, uh, particularly from Dext, WorkGuru and Anature. We talked about the importance of AI and how it is starting to infiltrate the industry, but as though it was an extension of uh, being uh, more efficient and innovation. How is AI going to affect fintech? That's the discussion that we've had next week with uh, our guests. I hope to... Speak to you all next week on Triple H 100.1 FM. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts.